0: Helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, this is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network, with your host, Paul Engel. Have you ever noticed how many people who win those huge lotteries are bankrupt in just a few years? Why? Why? Because without a functional knowledge of how to manage that money, what I call fiscal literacy, they make compounding bad decisions until all the money's gone. What happens though when the fiscal illiterate isn't wasting his own money, but everyone else's? See, the main difference between the unprepared lottery winner and the average politician is when the lottery winner destroys his fortune, he pays the price while the politician pays no price for doing the same to the public's money. see Without any pain for their mismanagement, there's no incentive to learn from their mistakes. Decades of fiscal mismanagement have led the United States to a de facto bankruptcy. Albert Einstein said that doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome, is the definition of insanity. Based on recent events, it appears the government of the United States is insane. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising gener- generation to be free. We are returning the Constitution to its rightful owners, we the people of the United States. You know, I often talk about constitutional literacy. Today I'm going to talk more about fiscal literacy uh, within the scope of, of a constitutional literacy and the impact it has on everyday Americans, and, and not just a few, but all of us. Let me give you an example. I use this example. Oh, it's a great way to explain inflation. Now, back in 1954, the uh, the median home price, meaning if you lined up all the home prices on a line from the, the the most expensive to the least, you take the one that's right in the middle. It's a more accurate than an average. The median home price was $18,185.25. This, by the way, is uh, according to Don't Quit Your Job Yet. Uh, and they have an interesting, uh, again, paper with how they came up with these prices, how where they observed them, and, and what's going on. So, in, again, 1954, um, middle-of-the-road home was $18,000, right? That was the median home price. Now, compare that to today in... Uh, was it 2023, the median home price is just a shade under $400,000. In fact, it's $399,002.47. Now, again, some of that can be uh, adjusted for, we we, we own bigger houses now, right? We own bigger houses than we used to. So yeah, they're going to be more expensive. Now, when my wife and I bought our first house, this is back in uh, late 1993, uh, the median household price was uh, about $104,000. So from 1950, the the median house went up. Again, size has something to do with it. But when we sold our house uh, back in 2000, uh, was it 2015? We sold it for more than we had purchased it for. A, a a sizable amount not outrageous i mean i'm mean, but a, a good increase the house didn't get any bigger i mean we had made some improvements on it we would added air conditioning we actually did put on a a a, a sunroom but we the value the, the we sold it for much more than we purchased it for well even just here when we moved to tennessee in 2015 we actually um we we bought a house in 2015 and uh, my wife likes to track uh, things like like the price on Zillow. And the value of what Zillow said we could sell our house for went up 25 20%, 20, 25% in the first few years we were here. The house hasn't gotten any bigger. The land hasn't gotten any bigger. Why do home prices keep going up? It's not... All not even most of it is because the value the the value of the house is going up it's because the value of the dollar has gone down the 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 dollar you have in your pocket today is not worth as much as the value you had in your uh, the dollar you had in your pocket even last year that's called inflation inflation is not we we always measure increases in pricing it's actually a decrease in the value of the currency that you're using. Now, I'm not here to get into a long discussion about uh, modern monetary theory or anything like that. I want you to understand that because I, the Federal Reserve recently released um, some more in, uh, inflation information and their leading indicator, the one they prefer to follow the most, is once again going up. See when people talk about inflation, there's several different places they look. There's the consumer price index, there's a producer price index, and, and it, they're measuring different things. And um, of course, the consumer price index is actually a manipulated number because they intentionally leave out more volatile, uh, um, more volatile products. So the the Federal Reserve looks at what's called the personal consumption expenditures. Now, what is the personal consumption expenditures? It's designed to be a measure of, of what it costs to live, what you're actually buying um, if you live here in the United States or if you're someone is buying for you. It, it, it actually captures inflation information. And the, the PCE, the price index, rose to 3.3% from 3.0% in June. So in June, it was 3.0. In July, it was 33 these things are always a couple months behind because they've got to collect and correlate all the data. But that shows a month-over-month a, a month increase of about well, 02 to 0.3%. Now, the core PCE, the, the stuff that takes things like energy and food that are very volatile, the, the prices go up and down quite a bit, well, they went from 4.1% to 4.2%, again, showing a slight rise. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, there's a couple reasons most people don't realize that inflation is effectively a hidden tax. There's a reason why when they charted the federal reserve Congress, even though what they did was illegal, um, Congress said, we're looking for about a two to 2.2% inflation rate. They want the dollar to be worth less every year. Why? Well, let's take this. Let's say, um, you go to your buddy and, uh, You buy, you borrow $100 from your buddy, and you hold on to it, and you hold on to it, and a couple years later, you give him back the $100. Seems fair, right? He lent you $100, you get $100 back, everything seems fair and square, except, see, the $100 that you could buy, that you borrowed two years ago, let's say could buy you um, uh, 10 meals at your favorite fast food joint, whatever it is. You go in, your your normal order at a fast food joint, and two years ago cost you $10. Today, that same meal costs you, what, $12, $13? Which means the $100 that you borrow doesn't quite get you your 10 meals back, does it? It gets you about 9.5 or something like that. That's inflation. The dollar's denomination stays the same, but their buying power is diminished. It's not that the the value of what you're buying is going up; the value of what you're buying with is going down, and Congress wants this because they borrow trillions of dollars, and they want to pay it back with less valuable dollars. They play exactly the same game. They'll take a trillion dollars, they'll borrow a trillion dollars, and with that trillion dollars, they could buy, say, a uh, hundred million barrels of oil. So they borrow this money, and they wait you know 5 10 years and they pay it back and well that same trillion dollars that they borrow now only buys 950 or 900 billion barrels of oil so now they've paid you back with something that that that's worth less it is a it is a way for congress to effectively tax people uh to effectively have money to spend by playing the market game and this has a lot of impacts right cuz when inflation goes up, obviously inflation is, is, means the value of the dollar is down, but your paycheck doesn't go up. What, what you, uh, uh, unless you're a retailer, what you're in, your income doesn't go up. And this have, obviously has a large impact on the economy as a whole. The problem is so many of us are fiscally illiterate that, uh, well, we believe so much of the nonsense that's coming out of uh, our politicians' mouths. But for example, recently, Biden's been promoting Bidenomics. Look at how wonderful the economy is doing under Mr. Joe. Well, guess what? In August of this year, the U.S. economy added approximately 187,000 jobs. That's according to the the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, a, 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 a government bureaucracy, right? And everyone's excited because it exceeded what everybody expected. Remember, consensus is not science. Consensus is politics. So if everybody thought that we were only going to gain 180,000 jobs and there was 187,000 jobs, everybody's excited because we beat our lousy estimate. But this was the third weakest job report under the Biden administration. But according to Joe... Uh, the 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 America's experience its strongest job creation period ever. I, I I don't know if this guy is just is lying or, or ignorant. I really I can't tell anymore, because I look at it. This isn't even the best jobs report in your own administration. Now, granted, things have been getting a little better. Of course, part of it is he's it's it's what you compare it to. For example, um, let me pick a sport. We'll say it, we'll, we'll pick the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I haven't picked on, the fo- on football for a while. Dallas Cowboys. Let's say you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. I haven't followed the NFL for years because they just got too woke and stupid for me. So this is all hypothetical. And, and let's say um, the Dallas Cowboys have a 10 and 8 record. And the announcers saying, see, this is great. It's a it, we've everything's going up. It's a 10 and 8 record because well, last year they were, they were, you know, was it uh, nine and nine, and the year before that they were eight and ten. It's great. Of course, you can the, the problem is three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, they were winning 12, 13, 14, 15 games a year. This year they won 10. If you compare it to the last couple of years, the the really down years it looks great. If you compare it to their past, not so much. And that's kind of what politicians do. They look for anything to say, this is better. We're going to compare this year to last year and say it's the greatest period ever, completely ignoring the fact that the reason that looks so good is because, well, we basically trashed our economy in 2020 through 2021. Oh, we did. We locked everything down. We shut everything down. We destroyed the, the the supply chain. We locked people up. Uh, you know, we 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 shut businesses down. We did every we we basically destroyed our economy and now we're a little bit better. Try like saying uh, you know, you were in a car accident, you had 12 broken bones, a concussion and and a, a punctured lung. And now Well, you've only got eight broken bones, a concussion, and your lung isn't is partially healed. So it's it's great. You're still not healthy. But that's part of the fiscal illiteracy because one, I I I don't believe you know again, what's the old saying? When you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Prefer assume incompetence over uh, uh uh over a scheme. I don't believe they're that incompetent. I know this this is spin. This is what politicians do. This is spin. But um that's what I expect from politicians. Oh, by the way, they look at it and said the unemployment rate shot up to 3.8%. But even that is a bit of a misleading number because the the published unemployment rates, the ones they always focus on, um, they never take They they intentionally discount people who gave up, who, who don't. Um, who aren't even looking for work anymore. So if you say, again, you got a, You got 100 people on a field and you want to know how many of them are going to play the game. And you go out and you say, well, listen, you know, um, 90% of the people that are willing to play will play. It, well, if you've only got 20 out of those 100 that are willing to play, that still means you've got... 80 plus people that are not playing, but we don't think of those numbers. It's it's part of this um, this fiscal illiteracy. And while you know, I expect politicians and bureaucrats to play politician games. The problem is, we the people are the ones actually paying. We're the ones actually suffering under all of this fiscal mismanagement. And it it comes in so many, comes from our fiscal policy, policy our monetary policy, our spending, our, our government spending, our government borrowing. All of this kind of adds up together. And we sit here going, well, why is President Biden saying, if things are so great, why does my life suck? If unemployment is so, you know, if there's so many new jobs, why can't I get one? Or, you know, why can't I make ends meet? Or, or why am I having s- such problems? And the answer is, we believe the lies coming out of Washington. We believe the spin. We believe the fiscally illiterate nonsense that said, we can borrow money and it won't hurt us. We can, we can, borrow, we can, we can pay off the MasterCard with the visa and everything will be fine. That we can, we can spend more than we make decade after decade after decade and everything will be just fine. Just keep all those plates spinning and you know everything. We believe that. And I want to say that all the American people believe that to a certain extent, based on what they asked their federal government to do. Now I have to pop off for a quick break, but please check out the updated Constitution Study website, ConstitutionStudy.com. I've added some really neat new features. It's got a whole new look and feel. There's a banner section that shows all the latest news information, the latest posts, latest posts, the latest articles, the latest radio programs, everything. There's a news section where all the news articles that I'm interested in, that, that I, I track, you can follow them there. You can follow this radio program there. All the episodes, when they're posted on the website, are posted there. Not to mention all the articles and videos that I produce. All the other content. Now, I'm still making some tweaks to it, but it's, it's all there for you at constitutionstudy.com. I'd love to hear what you think about it. it. You know, You can still ask a question. You can still sign up for the mailing list but I'd like to know what you, th- what you think about the new look and feel. So please check it out. That's constitutionstudy.com and let me know what you think. I, one thing you may be thinking is, gee, Paul, after all this bad news, how am I going to get any sleep tonight? Well, there is a way. See, there's only one sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep, to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, so you can wake up refreshed. And that's Healthy Cells REM Sleep. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell of REM Sleep or any of their great products. You can find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. But please go to Healthy Cell, use the code Out Loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. In
1: 2008, People could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code out loud. For 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money
2: back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution the miracle enzyme natto kinase their spike support formula contains natto the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body what's more spike support is optimized with other all-natural non-gmo ingredients like dandelion root to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back everyday
0: american to rejoin the constitution study and today we're talking about fiscal illiteracy and the impact on the american people. Let me give you an example here. This is Jared Bernstein. He's a uh, I think he's a chief economic advisor at the White House. Uh, he was being interviewed on Fox News Sunday. And let me play a clip of this for you.
3: Because wages haven't kept pace, leaving a typical worker about $2,000 behind compared with before the pandemic. So the truth is people are worse off than before you guys took over.
4: No, 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 that's not the truth. Those numbers, <laughs> is
3: Jason wrong about that?
4: So let me explain to you what my good friend, and he's a fine economist, uh, Jason is doing there. So real wages are up. That's the first thing to be clear about. Real wages are higher than they were before the pandemic, and they're especially higher for middle and low wage workers. Here's what's Jason- But for
3: is, many months, they were outpaced by inflation. Correct.
4: So for the last three to four months uh, in inflation, wages are rising faster good than news. prices. Good news. some mm-hmm. buying power working Americans there's a
0: great thing called lies darn lies and statistics let's break down cuz there's a little sleight of hand there and i wondered if you noticed it so uh the other economist the one that uh, the the uh the interviewer well i don't know her name off the top of my head uh was, was citing said listen um people are worse off now than when the biden administration started by these kids on like $2000 a year he says, no, no, no. See, what he did is he looked at the numbers and he expects them to grow over time. And uh, there's more about that, that that's coming up. But notice what he kept saying. He says, real wages are, have been, uh, are, are greater than they've ever been. They've been going up. The, that Your payroll has gone up more than inflation uh, over the last three months. Yeah, what about the previous? T- you know, what we were, we're at uh, uh, was it 21 months, 20 months? What about the other 14, 16, 18 months of this administration? So I, And you notice how he never gives you any data. He just simply makes a statement and never proves it. So uh, I did something weird. I went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and I looked at real earnings summary. And uh, sure enough, though, the real wages the real have gone up 0.3% over the last month or two. Uh, that's good news. But again, statistics. So I went somewhere, I went to Statista and I looked at the average hourly earnings for all employees in the United States. The average hourly earnings and in July of, of 23, the average hourly earnings were eleven dollars and nine cents. Okay. Um compare that to the high April of 2020, it was eleven dollars and seventy-four cents. But Paul, that's before the the uh um the 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 pandemic really kicked in and all that let's get something more close. All right, how about when uh, Mr. Biden took office in January of 2021 when the average hourly earnings were $11.41 for all employees in the United States. And now we are up to $11.09 after a low by the way of $10.92. So I guess what he's saying is true in the short term But it doesn't show a lot of um, uh, uh, of historical
4: information, by the way we got to tell Mike Pence that June 2022 wants its talking point back. That is, he talked about inflation at a 40-year high. That was true over a year ago. It is down two-thirds since then. It was Mm 9.1%. That's what he was referring to. Again, that's a stale, over-a-year-old talking point. It's down to about 3%. Well
3: ahead of when you guys took over.
4: And it's certainly not ahead of wages. And that's the key point. Wages are beating inflation. I love how he uh, derives...
0: Uh, former Vice President Pence for cherry picking information, while well, he goes on to cherry pick information. Uh, yes, the record high inflation, the forty record high of nine point one percent, was June of twenty twenty two. Right, so a little over a year ago. Um, however, the the wonderful inflation numbers that he's touting now, um, where over inflation is listed three point two percent, core inflation is at four point seven percent. Uh, Compare that to when uh, Mr. Biden took office in January 21, when both core and overall inflation was 1.4%. There has been no time during the Biden administration, well, I take that back, The, the first month in February 21, Core inflation was at 1.3 percent. Ever since, both core and overall inflation have been higher than went the Biden, when the Biden administration took place. He says, "Oh yeah, but but it wages have been have beat inflation." Well, he is correct. For the last few months, um, the average wage or the, the 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 wage rate in the United States, the wage growth has outpaced inflation. Um, since, well, about February of this year, they were tied, right? So wages were at 6.1%, inflation was 6%. But that's the first time they've been closed since March of 21. It's kind of like saying, let's play, you're going to play poker all night and uh, you lose big. I mean, you're just, you're, you're you're losing chips left, right, and center. But the last three hands, you know what? The last three, four hands, you won the hand. And you declare victory because I'm winning because my winnings have outpaced my losings in the last three hands, ignoring all the money you lost most of the night. That's kind of what we're playing, the games are playing here. And it's because either we don't or you know, either because they don't or the American people don't have a basic fiscal literacy to look back beyond simply the last month's reporting to look at these nonsense, these numbers and say, wait a second, is, does that match reality? yeah, you know what? The last couple of months, things have been better. You you kick us and you stomp on us and you beat us for two years. And then for a couple of months, you know what? We're kind of nice to you and we're expected to just thank you for that. But there's one
4: other piece of this puzzle I want you to realize here's what Jason did Uh, Jason asked what was the trend in wages in 2018 and 19 before the pandemic and then he just extrapolated that trend forward he's not the only one to do that Uh, but what that does it ignores the pandemic it ignores the global supply chain snarling leading to a global inflation Uh, it ignores the deep uh, uh, pandemic induced recession it ignores Putin's war in Ukraine with its impact on food and energy prices so look I understand that that's what economists call a counterfactual, which is an alternative history. I got to live in the real world, in the real history. And in the real world, real wages are beating prices. That is a very welcome trend. I reject your reality and substitute my own. I don't know what
0: fantasy land uh, Mr. Uh, Bernstein thinks he's living in, but three of the four reasons he listed for the, the for inflation and bad economy were actually created by this administration and the previous administration. He said, the pandemic. The pandemic didn't shut our economy down. It was government actors that shut it down. It was the Biden administration and, and, and the, the pressure to shut businesses down, to mass people up, to lock them down. They caused that recession. The global recession, that was caused by the United States and other idiot leaders saying, we've got a bug that is... Dangerous only to a small percentage of our demographic. That most people, if they get it, they'll be fine with some basic care. We'll ignore all the medicine we have that has, uh, um, at least anecdotal evidence that will help. We will plunge this con- this world into a recession, and we're supposed to ignore that it was a this administration's policies that helped pushed us there. Granted, okay, you've got the uh the 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 Russia invasion of Ukraine. That is a blip compared to everything else that was done. And we're supposed to say wages for the last couple of months have gotten better. And we're supposed to cheer for that. That is our, that is, that's fiscal illiteracy, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot take and take and take. You, 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 you've got imagine you have a deadbeat brother in law. And uh, every year he comes by and, and, you know, gets a couple thousand dollars this year and, and maybe 3,000 next year. And, and after 20 years, he comes back and says, here's $500 back. See, I'm a good guy because I gave you $500. That's what we've got here. This is our fiscal literature. And it leads us into so many difficult situations. Now, I, I, let me rephrase that. Not difficult situations. Situations where we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot where the government thinks, we've made this mess, hey, let's do more to make it, well, they don't intend to make it worse, or at least they don't say they intend to make it worse, but they make it worse. The U.S. Labor Department says, you know what we're going to do? We want to make a rule to boost overtime pay for um, salaried employees. I don't know about you, I've been been an hourly worker, I've been a salaried worker. You know what the thing about a salaried worker is? There's no overtime. You're not set you don't work a set number of hours and then get extra pay. But here you have the federal government which has no legal authority to meddle in the employment decisions of a corporation unless they can show they're actually violating the constitution coming in and saying we well we just want to give workers overtime. Why? Because it means the politicians can go to these people and say, see, we gave you something, but somebody else paid for it. You don't think that's going to drive inflation, ladies and gentlemen? You don't think that the, the adding in a cost to an employee doesn't cause inflation? The corporation doesn't pay that overtime. You do. Every time you buy one of their products. Every time you buy a product or service that they had some some portion of, you pay for it. I remember when I was shortly after I was married. This is again thirty plus years ago. I was working for a gentleman, and um, I was making okay. I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was I was I was I was was early in my career, and I was happy with the money. And he came to me one day, and I guess he had just been doing some some of the payroll. And he said, do you realize that I cost him two and a half times my paycheck? I don't mean just the check. I mean, before deductions, if you took my hourly rate, I cost him two and a half times the check that I actually got. Now, why is that? Part of it was taxes. Okay. Part of it was health insurance. He, I had health insurance there. He paid for that. So part of it was that. Part of it was paying for uh, unemployment and workers' compensation and other rules and regulations at the state and federal level that he had to pay for, but I didn't get to see. There's a cost to all of these rules and regulations, and those costs eventually are paid. He didn't pay it out of his pocket. He built that into the cost for every project he bid on. Meaning, it cost our customers more. They had to pay more so that he could cover the two and a half times my salary. That he, you know, that the, the, his one and a half times my salary, my my hourly rate at the time, that he paid me. He had to pay one and a half times more. And that was all done by the customer. Well, think about that next time you're at the grocery store, and you see the prices going up, and saying, "Gee, I wonder how many of these prices have come up because." Well, government did some program that tried to benefit some some group, and it turned around and bit us in the backside. Think about how this is going to impact you. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has set up uh, what he calls a transportation equity team. Uh, You know, they 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 they're worried about you know cars are well owning cars are racist. Yeah, one of the appointments in, uh, that a self-described transportation nerd claimed that uh, there was systemic racism in private car ownership. Another one said that, that all cars are bad, that we have to get rid of them because, well, even, even those autonomous vehicles, the computers that are needed to run them just generate greenhouse gases that have yet to be proven to actually cause global warming. But think about the impact on your life. If a government regulator says, you know what, all those privately owned cars, eh, that's all racist. Yeah, you know, let's let' let us take the the the, the, the 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 Klaus Schwab model, right? You'll own nothing and be happy. Move on, which, which of course would encourage people to move into cities and, and where they can get public transportation. What about people like me that like to live, oh, I don't know, out in the country? People who like farmers that need Vehicles, because guess what? Electric vehicles, they're, all, they're, they're of little value in many rural areas because of their range and their expense. But these are, you know, we look at this as a, um, I'm sure a lot of people look at this as a, an equity question. This is a fiscal question, because I'm not seeing anybody ask, what is the fiscal impact of Of government illegally discouraging the ownership of vehicles again illegal federal government has no legal authority to do this, but they're doing it anyway. Why? well, because we the people haven't done anything to stop them we we've, we've looked at the damage that that is being done by these policies, and we don't do anything. Sure, we whine and complain on social media. When was the last time you challenged one of your, a candidate to say, wait a second, where's the constitutional authority for you to do this? Where's the constitutional authority for a department of transportation? I'll tell you where, nowhere. Where's the constitutional authority for you to keep manipulating the money supply? All right, Congress can regulate the value of money. So if you're doing such a bad job at it, why do we keep hiring them to do this work? because we're fiscally illiterate. We believe them when they say, when the politician comes around and says, listen, I will get more in federal subsidies than you will pay in taxes. They're basically saying, we're going to borrow money on your name. And guess who gets to pay the interest? Oh, they don't tell you that part of it, do they? Just like the lottery winner doesn't know that... um, yeah the money may not come in one lump sum that there are taxes and fees that have to be paid on it that you you know you need somebody that's going to help manage that cuz you're not going to want to spend all day every day managing this money so you have to pay for that 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 this 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 you know if you keep spending money on stuff that loses money eventually you run out of money that's what we're dealing with in in, in governments at all levels by the way is people who are so ignorant of, of the way money works They make these promises knowing not only that they could never fill them, but that the cost to you of the promise is more than the benefit you gain. Okay, I have to take another break. Before I go, though, you know, I I go to americaoutloud.news every day for information, for news that's going on, for stuff that goes on the website and in social media, and even here on the radio program. So do your part. Go to americaoutloud.news every day for for your news fix. Then take those, those articles, the podcasts, the stories, the videos, whatever you think is important, whatever you think is expressive and meaningful, then share it. Share it with friends, share it with family, share it on social media. It's by sharing this information that we all help to secure the blessings of liberty.
1: The Out Loud Truth was the rallying call that started it all. America Out Loud Dot News was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio, it's a fight for the soul of
5: humanity. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD.
3: How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with CoFixRx. Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? for a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the CoFix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code Outloud25 at checkout. Don't forget Outloud25 at checkout.
0: Welcome back everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study, and today we're talking about fiscal illiteracy. And yes, we point at politicians frequently, but we have to look at ourselves as well. Because politicians make some of the most ridiculous statements. Take, for example, again, President Biden boasting that, unlike his predecessor, in my first two years, I cut the deficit $1.7 trillion. That's really interesting. Because basically, what Biden is comparing himself to is not the annual deficit, it's the one time uh we've gone back crazy and we spent trillions of dollars we didn't have to deal with a disease that wasn't that deadly to destroy an economy that was going okay but needed apparently to be destroyed so uh yeah you know, you look at the first 2 years of the of the Trump administration and and he was no uh, fiscal hawk uh, he might have been a businessman but he still knew how to or I should say um, Congress, under that, still uh, knew how to spend money. So, for example, 2017, the first year of the Trump administration, the deficit was uh, $665 billion. Uh, I don't know, but that's a that's a pretty significant number. $665 billion. Then it was $779 billion. Uh, 19 In 2019, it was $984 billion. And then COVID hits. Uh, Congress goes back, quantum crazy, and in 2020 the deficit is 3.1 trillion dollars. And suddenly, a you know, uh, you know, yeah, from that it was relatively easy to drop the budget from 3.1 trillion to I'm sorry, the deficit from 3.1 trillion to 2.7 trillion, and uh, on and on. And now we're down to uh, roughly about two trillion dollars. So he cut the budget deficit because of a one-time payment that was paid, and he didn't have to count on his books. But the interesting thing is, we still have this deficit. Remember, remember all the craziness last year about, oh my God, the budget and and you know what are we going to do? And we're still running incredible fiscal deficit. The fiscal deficit—it's an easy number to understand. It's how much money the United States spends. That it doesn't take in in revenue and therefore has to borrow. That's the definition of the deficit. It is the yearly expenditures that are greater than the um, than the income. So if you look at it in 2022, um, the Congress spent 6.27 trillion dollars. Of that, they had to borrow 1.38 trillion to cover that cost. Again, not hard to understand, but the fact that we are still running these trillion-dollar deficits tells us this should tell us there's still something wrong. Now, again, we're going to have another budget fight. Now there's there's again talk about uh, you know they they said well we have to uh, Congress had had a cap on borrowing. Constitution grants Congress the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Congress passed a law that says we're only going to borrow this much until Congress authorizes more. Um we had that whole nonsense with with McCarthy and Schumer and name calling and all that and in that we basically threw out the the uh, uh the borrowing cap. They could borrow as much money they wanted. I think for like 5 years. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty fiscally irresponsible to me. Now, one of the things that the Republicans promised to do, if they got in power, was to return to regular order when it comes to appropriations. Now, for those of you who don't remember, it used to be there were 12 appropriations bills, one for each area of government, and uh, generally every couple of years they would go through and authorize this spending, appropriate money, because according to the Constitution, no money can be spent by the Treasury except on appropriation from Congress. So we all talk about the president, about budget deficits and whatnot. It's Congress is spending this money. Now, the problem we have is, again, we keep doing these omnibus bills. And the idea is rather than taking, let's take 12 individual areas of government, let's figure out what we need to spend on them. Let's figure out how we're going to fund it and then vote on it. What Congress has done for the last, what, two decades, three decades, is simply wait to the last minute and go, oh my God, we're going to run out of money. Let's Pass an omnibus bill Omnibus I believe is Greek for We're spending a lot of your money So Last year they passed a 1.7 trillion dollar Omnibus bill and we keep getting promised No we're going to go back And and we're going to, to um, Do this in regular order Well Guess what they're politicians So how do you know when they're lying Their lips are moving See, there are just days left in the current fiscal year. The fiscal year for the United States starts on October 1st and ends on September 30th. So there are just a few legislative days left. We're in September. And of those 12 regular appropriations bills that the, the promised way would put through, uh, yeah, I think they've got one has cleared the House. None has gone through the Senate. Just one has cleared the House. So it should be no surprise that, once again, we're talking about government shutdowns. Now, everybody seems to be going apoplectic in the media about, oh my God, if the government shuts down, we're all going to die. I want the government to shut down. I really, really do, for two reasons. One is, every time the government shuts down, you realize life doesn't end. Yes, there are people that are going to be inconvenienced. There are people that are going to be going to have problems because maybe you can't get a passport. But even when the government shuts down, it doesn't actually shut down. That's the other thing. The government never the federal government never really shuts down. What they do is they furlough what do they call them? Um non-essential employees. In other words, all of the employees that are not essential for the operation of the government, take a break. They get a, they get a postponed paid vacation. They take the vacation now. They get the pay for that vacation later. Right? It's not like they're getting out. They're not losing money. They just have to wait for it. You just wait until the, the, the shutdown is over and they get their back pay. That's the way this kabuki theater works. But when you realize that we, we, there's a lot we don't need the federal government for. Just how many of these employees are non-essential? How many of the ones that are quote-unquote essential are actually legally void? They don't legally exist because the, the, the legislation that created them was not pursuant to the Constitution. It was an unconstitutional act, therefore it's void. I love when Congress isn't, I, I love when government isn't doing things because they tend to muck things up. And again, the military will still be there. Essential services will still be there. But people may have to wait for things. And maybe they'd get an idea of just how bloated and corrupt the federal government is, because that's not the way the, the, the politicians put it. That's not the way the media spins it. No, no, no. We have to have a stopgap spending bill because we can't be bothered to actually run our fiscal house in anything that makes any sort of sense. Put it this way. If the members of Congress were actually, say, uh, on the board of a corporation, if they weren't fired for mismanagement, they'd be arrested for for, um, uh, fiscal malfeasance. They have not met their fiduciary responsibility. But yet we keep hiring these idiots over and over and over again. And of course, they mismanage our funds. And when they it, it finally comes to the last moment, oh, we got to do a stopgap. You know what? I'm tired of stopgaps. No more stopgaps. You want appropriate money, appropriate money. And if you can't figure out how to do that in twelve in 12 months out of the year, then we'll find people who will. You know, I wonder some of the reasons why they can't get the 12 appropriations. I know a lot of it is just politics. It's, you know, donkeys versus elephants. But I wonder how much of it is, how much time Congress wastes on things that it's not authorized to do. I wonder how much it wastes on on projects that are not needed, projects that are not, not authorized to do. And stupid things like, you know, Naming holidays and, and, and post offices and other things that are just, you know, vanity. Do you want to know why we are de facto bankrupt? Because for decades, we've hired these fiscally illiterate people to ruin our finances and done nothing about it. Well, for example, uh, the Department of Interior helped break ground on a Southwest energy product. A, a, a multi-billion dollar project. I think this is going to cost, um, uh, well, I think it's like something like $10 billion. And they're doing it with private companies. Of course, they won't tell you how much of your money they're doing in order to lay power lines through New Mexico and, and parts of Arizona. Now, why is the federal government paying for this? That's what I want to know. How much is the federal government paying? Why are they paying for this? Now, there may be simply that they're, they're looking at eminent domain because they want to go across federal, state, and private land. So, again, federal land, that's, what, that's a whole other issue. The federal government shouldn't own that land. They basically extorted it from the states. But, of course, they're going to go across state land and, and private land, so, of course, they want to take land from the American people to put these up. Now, again, do we need power transmission lines? Yeah, especially with some of the lunacy that's been going on. But um there's more involved here. Why is the federal government involved in this? Well, cross the state lines, I don't care. The the federal government isn't responsible for energy. The managing energy is not a power delegated to the United States. So this is just another and again, it's another project. It's, another, it's, it's Congress spending money. They're not legally authorized to spend. It is not, it is not paying the debt of the United States. It is not uh, providing for the common defense of the United States. And it's not for the general welfare of the United States. It's for the welfare of several states in the Southwest. That is different. But again, we are, are, because of our fiscal illiteracy, we go, oh, goody, we're getting more power lines. And if we, of course, all of this eventually comes down to taxes. All this money, they're either going to default on the loans or they're going to have to tax the snot out of us to pay this money, which brings up a very interesting question. Why is the Internal Revenue Service become a highly armed federal law enforcement agency? I mean, even going back to uh, 2017, the IRS had almost 4,500 firearms and over 5 million rounds of ammunition. Now, I don't, you know, I don't find those numbers inherently startling, except this is the Internal Revenue Service. These are the tax collectors. And I don't expect tax collectors to be law enforcement. Isn't that why we have a, an FBI? But no, we've turned them into law enforcement. They've been spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a year to buy more and more ammo. In fact, I don't even know if we know how much ammo they have um, on, on premises at at the moment but what's interesting is see they're not simply buying handguns they're buying submachine guns which is really interesting because the very same government that says you cannot have a semi-automatic firearm wants to make sure they're armed with automatic firearms that that the the, the revenueers the internal revenue service has automatic firearms the, the very same government by the way that's been using the FBI to raid uh pro-life homes with heavily armed agents that have gone after people who even showed up at the Capitol on January 6th? Um, Do we really trust the IRS with that type of of arm? I guess to wrap this all up, this is what I want you to think about. Uh, You know, for years, I have practiced... My understanding of fiscal literacy. I I spent less than I made. I I saved and invested the money that the the, the difference with uh, with thoughts in mind. Where was I spending money? I I got I got advice from experts, but I always decided where that money was going to be invested. Uh, I avoided debt. I did everything I could to get out of debt and then to avoid debt. And because of that, I now can sit here and talk to you without worrying about having some corporate job to pay all the bills. Now, I'm not saying I'm a master financial whiz. I just followed simple, basic understandings. I recognized that if I could spend less than I made and and save and invest the rest, I could use it one day to do what I want to do. And right now, that's talking to you kind folk. But, those in Washington, those we hire to represent us in Washington, they have no such understanding. They 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 don't believe in. Uh, though they talk about a balanced budget, they wouldn't they wouldn't vote for a balanced budget. Their life depended on it, because not one of them believes that they will lose their job for spending us into oblivion. They figure that Alex de Tocqueville was right. America will continue until the United until the Congress realizes it can bribe the American people with the the public with the public money. That's exactly what they've done. They've learned that, we've taught it to them. Um now what? How do we unteach them that? Well, we start by putting our own fiscal house in order. The amount of credit card debt in this country is tremendous. The the student loan debts are insane. They, the fiscally, they make absolutely no sense. Spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for a degree that does not boost your income is fiscally irresponsible. So before we can expect our representatives to show some sort of fiscal uh, uh, literacy, we have to show some ourselves. And if we can't show the the intelligence and the discipline to handle our own finances, how can we expect our employees to, do, to, uh, to, to show it in our government finances? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, all the mistakes in Washington have their root right here with the American people. The American people that demanded the goodies. That demanded the program. When offered a, a quote-unquote free handout, took it. Never thinking that those, those handouts are never free that still look for the government to pay for things they're not authorized to pay for. It keeps coming back into our own lap and our own fiscal illiteracy. Now, I hope I haven't depressed you too much. I hope you come back and visit us here at the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio heard in the Radio network. If you cannot listen then, that's okay. All of my shows go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can find them in your favorite podcast app. You can find it on the website ConstitutionStudy.com. But do me a favor: if you do, if you're using the podcast app, subscribe to the show. Leave me a rating and review. It helps other people find the Constitution Study. You can find all the links you need at the homepage of AmericaOutloud.news. But as always, share this information. Share this news. It is by sharing this news that we share the blessings of liberty.